Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. First time or you've been here tons of times, it's great to have you with us. It's a privilege for you to be here today. And um, just before we get into our message, I just want to uh, just bring attention to something. One of our, our guys, we were actually blessed here at Arena Mansfield to have a number of army members in our congregation. And one of our, our guys here, Daniel, is actually going to be going away for six months uh, with the army. So guys, can we be keeping Daniel in our prayers while he goes away? And, and can we... Uh, Guys, if you're in the army or, or, or in the public services, just stand to your feet. We'd just love to honour you just for a second. Come on, let's honour these people. Daniel, jump to your feet wherever you are, guys. Take a look around. Thank you for all you do. Can we be keeping these guys in our prayers? Yeah? Yeah, great. We're blessed to have just some amazing people in Arena Church and just impacting their world, aren't we? So um, last week, Nathan opened up this series called Stop It. And if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you, please go back to, uh, to the podcast and take a listen because Nathan spoke an excellent word last week on blaming. And today we're going to continue with this series. Now, before we get into it, quick disclaimer, we haven't sat around the table. So we, we plan ma- um, sort of the sermon series in advance here at Arena, just asking God what he wants us to say and what he wants us to talk about. But we haven't sat around the table saying, Arena Mansfield really grumble. (laughs) They're really blaming people quite a lot. We've not sat around doing that. But what we know is this, that we can all blame sometimes, can't we? We can all grumble sometimes. We can all procrastinate. And over these next few weeks, we're going to be talking into some of these things. So with that being said, let's have a look at Colossians 3. Verse 5 to 10 says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, Malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now, we'll come back to this in a second, but two words I've heard a lot in my life have been, stop it whether it was from my maths teacher, from distracting others in the class or from friends for playing practical jokes or my wife when she says, Josh, stop being so good looking. Um, <laughs> nah, I've never heard that one. Actually, sorry, I can't lie to you uh, here, Arena Mansfield. More like this for my wife, Josh, stop leaving your clothes on the floor. <laughs> Have any husbands had that one before? Yeah. Uh, These words, stop it, have never been too far from me. Now, I'll be honest today, they aren't two words that I'm incredibly fond of. I don't like them that much. But I've learned the older that I've got, that when they're from the right person, the word stop it can help me immensely. See, these two words are offensive because someone's basically telling you what you are doing is wrong. That in that moment, your moral compass is is maybe slightly off, that you've got it wrong, that you could do better. And the reality is, we don't like to be wrong, do we? 
No, we don't like to be wrong. See, we know we aren't perfect, but we act like we are as soon as someone shows us that we aren't. This is the paradox of, of human nature. This is what it is. So this thing called human nature, we, we know we don't always know the answers, but we get frustrated when we have no response. We know we aren't always right, but we don't like it when someone shows us we're wrong. We know we aren't perfect, but as soon as someone shows us our imperfection, we get offended. These two words then are far more than a petty warning. They can be a sword to the very core of who we are. When I was younger, I, this is disgusting, so just stay with me. But when I was younger, I, I used to love to pick my scabs. <laughs> I just used to look, yeah, as a boy, like playing football, grazers on my knees, whatever. I, I just love to pick those things. Now, I've still got two scars on my nose this very day from picking at scabs. And my mum used to say those words to me. She used to say, stop it. See, because I, I thought that I was speeding up the healing process or whatever it was, I was getting these scabs off my face. But my mum was saying, Josh, stop it because, listen, this is going to harm you. This is going to be bad for you. She was trying to protect me from scars. But because I ignored my mum's advice initially, today I carry scars on my body. See, there are things in our lives that we need to stop that we all get caught in, that hold us back and restrain us from stepping into the wide open space that God has for us. And these are the things in our lives that we need to stop. Paul here is telling the Colossian church, Paul is the writer, he wrote most of the New Testament in the Bible. He's telling this church to stop certain thing, things. He's telling them they need to stay away from certain things that are holding them back. That these things are transforming them into people they don't want to be. And Paul is calling them to something bigger, a life bigger. He says, guys, stop it. See, when stop it comes from the right person, it's a blessing. When stop it's delivered in love, it gives us an opportunity to grow, to learn and to develop into the person we're called to be. Today we're going to be looking at stop grumbling. See, there's no two ways about it. In this country, we're known for grumbling, aren't we? It's a running joke that we're never happy with the weather. I mean, it's a bugbear of mine that I was just walking back down the street the other day and I was like, it was when it was sunny and uh, this guy was like, I was like, man, great weather today. And he's, yeah, he's like, it's a bit too hot. I'm like, come on. Like, come on, someone catch a break. I'm just trying to start a conversation. Just try and be on my side for a second. It's too hot. When it's raining, someone wishes it was sunny. When it's sunny, it's unbearable. If we're being honest with ourselves, from time to time, we all love a good grumble. See, I, I could grumble about football results at the moment. I'm a Manchester United fan. Let me just, quick side note, Liverpool won the Champions League last night. Thank the Lord. I think there's only one Liverpool fan in here. <laughs> See, this is time, you know, I thank God for his grace that I'm actually in Mansfield, not in Ilkeston, with our lead pastor who is a Liverpool fan, because he'll be talking about it all morning. I, I could gr grumble about the football results. But this is the funniest thing about our culture, that you could be out for a meal with a few friends and, and you complain between each other that the dinner came late or, or there isn't enough food and this and that. And then the waiter comes to the table and says those three words, is everything okay? 
And I'm thinking, he's about to say something. And everybody goes, yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's the best I've ever been. It's such a nice place, honestly. <laughs> now, I'm a, I'm a glass half full type guy, fairly positive. But, but let me tell you, I can complain. Just this last week, I just had the privilege of going away for a few days. A friend of mine took me away and we went on a golfing trip and just stayed in this phenomenal hotel, got into the room. It was just beautiful. It was perfect. And then I stepped in the shower before we went out and there was so many things right. But when I got into this shower, I'll be honest, it was like my little boy spraying me with his water gun. It, I, I struggled to get my whole body wet. That's what it, you know, I'm not a big guy. You know, it, it wasn't what you would call a powerful shower. So in the, in the midst of being in this perfect environment, there I am complaining about the shower. The funny thing is this, maybe because I knew I was preaching this message or whatever it was, but God brought it to my mind saying, how crazy is it that when so many things are right, you're grumbling about this one thing that is wrong. See, this is the issue with grumbling and complaining, that it gets us focused on what's wrong rather than what's right. It focuses on the negative. It concentrates on, on, on what's going wrong. And when you do that for too long, you become an unhappy, bitter person. I mean, we all know somebody like this. For every solution, they've got a problem. And no one wants to be around someone like that. Now, I don't know a better Bible verse on this subject than Philippians 2, verse 12 to 16. And uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote that verse in Colossians, also wrote this book in Philippians. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. See, in Philippians 2, Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi to imitate the humility of Christ. He's encouraging them to be like Christ as Jesus loved and served the world. As Jesus laid down his life for the world, Paul is saying, guys, be like Jesus. He's calling us to be united, to lay our lives down for one another, to put others first, just like Jesus did. He makes the argument that Jesus was obedient to death on a cross and in the midst of going through the most horrendous death we could imagine, while being innocent, Jesus didn't moan. He didn't grumble. He didn't complain. What did he do instead? He put us first as he laid down his life. Paul's encouraging and challenging this church in Philippi to be better, to not conform to the way of the world, but to be different, to stand out. He even says it in verse 15, I love this. He says, then you will shine like stars in the sky. See, I just wonder if some of us have stopped shining because we're focusing on the wrong thing. 
I wonder if we've lost our influence because we're focusing on the negative rather than the positive. Because we can't see what's right in our own lives, we can't see what's right in the world. See, this again reveals the true essence of a Jesus follower to be an influencer. If I take you back to that verse where Jesus says you were called to be salt and to be light. What's Jesus saying? He's saying you were called to bring light, love, flavor to this world. Paul again is reaffirming those words of Jesus saying, then you will shine like stars in the sky. Here's the amazing thing about stars in the sky. We can be 100 million miles away, but we can look up and see those stars shining, can't we? That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, you are called to be visible. Not invisible, you're called to be visible. People are supposed to notice you in that workplace. People are supposed to notice you in that shopping centre. People are supposed to notice you in your family. You are called to shine. And today... If we want to shine, I find it so funny how Paul draws such a practical line between not grumbling and shining. If we want to shine, we've got to get beyond grumbling and complaining. I want to look at a few things that grumbling does to us. The first thing is this. Grumbling robs you of your joy. It robs you of your joy. See, because grumbling and complaining focuses you on the wrong things, and we never grumble about good things. I mean, I've never heard anybody say, oh, I got this letter from uh, the tax HMRC, and they gave me a million pounds back. It was just (laughs) the worst ever. I've never heard anyone make that complaint. People complain about, about bad things, not about getting a Ferrari, things that aren't going right, things that are negative whether the big and small. And when you focus on bad things, you lose your joy. Like I said, I was in this beautiful hotel room that had so many things right. But until I caught myself, I was focusing on the one thing that was wrong. See, it may seem petty, but we train our minds like this. And that little petty thing that we're focusing on becomes bigger and it becomes larger. And instead of it being this one thing we did once, it becomes the way that we see the world. How many times have you become down about your life just because one element is not quite where you want it to be? If we're being honest, I'm sure that's a lot of us. There could be a hundred things going right, but we focus on what's wrong in that moment. Your family might be great, your health might be excellent, your relationships are good, but because you aren't quite where you want to be financially, you grumble and complain until all the joy is sucked out of the good bits of your life. And all you can see is what you don't have rather than what you do. See, I think this is a huge element in our world today where mental health issues stem from because we've never had more access to more information and with Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and and the news, it, it just seems like everybody else's life's perfect. Everybody else has got it going. So when we've not got the Lamborghini or, or we're not walking around in those nice clothes or we're not going on that, that special uh, you know, holiday to the Maldives or whatever it is, we look at our own lives and say, no, 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 I've got nothing going right. We focus on what we don't have rather than what we do. I just want to bring some realism to this today. 
Let me tell you this, there is nobody on planet earth whose life is perfect. Not one person. And you don't know that person's situation. It might look like everything's going well with that Lamborghini, but they might be up to their eyeballs in debt. It might look like the holiday's great, but you don't know what's happening in their personal life. And I'm not saying that I want to, you know, I want to have an ulterior motive for everybody. I want to champion people who are doing well in life and, and having a good life and got great things. I want to, uh, you know, celebrate with those people. But my point is this, you don't know their situation and their life is not perfect. See, when we focus on what's going wrong, we forget about what's going right. We go through a tough time in our job and suddenly our whole world's fallen into part. We have one argument and we say our marriage is a mess. We, we don't have the finances that we expected, so suddenly we're a failure. This leads us to lose our joy. It stops us enjoying the, the beauty of our lives and we get on this negative slide, this negative roundabout that leads nowhere. A few years ago, I got into a cycle of constantly grumbling about how busy I was. That, that was my confession. I mean, I was pretty busy at the time, even looking back now. I had a job. Helen and I were leading our, our youth ministry and young adults ministry here at Arena. I was on the worship team as well. And it was the winter period where things get even more busy. And my, my confession constantly was, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. See, the more I said it, the more my capacity de decreased. The more the joy was sucked out of what I was doing, the more my passion diminished. Because I was focusing on the wrong thing, my performance decreased. And I started to look at what was wrong rather than what was right. See, this is what grumbling does. It robs you of your joy. It reduces your effectiveness. It stops you shining. The next thing is this, that grumbling reveals an unhealthy heart. In Matthew 12, verse 30, uh, Matthew 12, verse 34, Jesus says this. He says, you brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? Now, just before we move on, I just want you to know who that's addressed to. That was addressed to the religious people of the day. That wasn't addressed to thieves or rebels or gangsters. That was addressed to the people who looked like they had it going well on the outside, but on the inside they were a mess. Yeah. To the religious people. I'll carry on. Yeah. For the mouth speaks what the heart's full of. Yeah. <clears throat> when someone constantly runs to complaint and to grumbling, it reveals an unhealthy heart, a hurt heart, a critical heart. See, we speak from the overflow of our hearts. I'm not just talking about you grumbling once, you know, because you've got to do the washing. I'm talking about a habit of grumbling and complaining where that's what you run to. See, your words run over from what's in your heart. And when you're feeding your heart with negativity, when you're running to complain, when you focus on offence and what's wrong, it makes your heart unhealthy. And even worse, it gives you a stinginess of spirit. See, stinginess of spirit is one of the things that we have to stay away from as followers of Jesus because it's so unattractive. It looks to bring down rather than build up, to complain rather than praise, to hurt rather than help. And this is nothing to do with money. It's our words, our actions and what we do with our time. The problem is this. At times the church has been known for being like this, for pulling people down 
for being judgmental, for condemning, when that was never the model that we were shown from Jesus. See, Jesus was so attractive because he had a generous heart. His heart always looked to help, to build up, to heal, to love and to serve. See, this is why crowds flocked to him. He could, this is why he was invited to the biggest parties that wherever he, he went, there was standing room only because he had a generous heart. And Jesus is the model that I want to follow. Going back to Philippians 2, this is exactly what Paul's saying to us. Because of Jesus' generosity of heart, he could lay down his life. He could take on a death sentence that wasn't his without grumbling. See, when Jesus went to the cross, the beauty of, of his heart was revealed. Don't you know that in our times of most pressure, you see your heart on full display? That your heart's revealed? It's easy to fake it when everything's going okay. It's hard when, th- when, when uh, push comes to shove. It's hard when we're under pressure to keep the real us hidden. And that's not something we should ever do anyway. When Jesus went to the cross, his beautiful heart was revealed. When he was in his toughest moment, hanging on the cross, when he had every right to grumble, to complain, to moan, what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. He could have complained, he could have moaned, he could have condemned those people, but instead he prayed. It seems ludicrous, but this is the beautiful heart of Jesus. See, our grumbling and complaining reveals our heart. And the last thing I think that grumbling does is it reveals a me first outlook. The start of Philippians 2, Paul says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common share in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the other. See, the way of secular culture is to put me first. You'll have heard it said maybe even this week that I just need to look after me. I need to look after number one. I've got to prioritise me. You see it everywhere. People treaded on others to get a step up in life, climbing to the top without concern for who's left casualty along the way. Shameless promotion. Not taking a second to think about promoting others or who might get hurt. See, in the, in the last 10 years, I think this sentiment has crept into society more than ever before. To look after number one. And then everybody else comes after that. If that's the way you think today, I'm sorry to say, that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is to put others ahead of ourselves, to champion others, to serve others, to lay down our lives for others. See, this is so alien in our culture. The idea of serving is seen below us as a menial task, as embarrassing. 
See, grumbling and complaining reveals a me first attitude because it's born out of us thinking more highly than our, of ourselves than we should. So we complain about serving, about that task, about helping that person, about being there for a friend, maybe even serving in church because we're too busy or our schedule's too tough. I need to look after me. If we want to love people like Jesus does, if we want to make an impact in our world, in this town, it isn't going to come from people with a me first attitude. If we want to build Jesus' church, it isn't going to happen through people who put themselves first. I'm sorry if this is a surprise to you this morning, but the central theme of our faith is a man who came to this earth to lay down his life for others. A man who came to serve and not be served. A man who came to love those who didn't love him. This is the essence of the gospel. This is the beauty of the gospel. And we are called as followers of Jesus to embody it wherever we go. We're called to live different in our world. See, this is how Paul can say, and then you will shine. Because when you live like this, people can't help but notice. When you have peace in the storm, people can't help but see. When you can love, laugh and put others first in life's imperfection, people will notice. So how do we overcome grumbling and complaining? We shift our focus and change our confession. See, all grumbling is, is focusing on the negative and and speaking it out. This becomes our confession. Back to Colossians 3, right at the start of it, says this, Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died And your life is now hidden in Christ, sorry, with Christ in God. See, Paul is calling us to set our hearts and minds on things above. What's he saying? Shift your focus. He's telling these people to stop focusing on what's wrong with the world and start focusing on what's right with God. See, don't focus on the world's hate. Focus on God's love. Don't focus on what people think of you. Focus on what God says about you. Don't focus on your lack. Focus on God's ample supply. We need to change our focus. Now, I'm not saying we completely ignore the situation we're going through. That would be crazy. We go through trials and storms and they can be hard. But don't focus on that. Focus on God. Set your mind on things above. See, Paul knows that people struggle with this because this isn't our default. Our default is to focus on what's going wrong. I love that little word he uses, that three-letter word, set. Because set's intentional. Set isn't default. Set isn't just go with the flow. Set's intentional. Set is on purpose. See, if you want to, sh- to shine, you have to set your heart and mind on things above. See, if you set your heart and mind on this world, you'll be constantly swayed by the ups and downs of this life. 
One day you'll be on top of the world and the next you won't want to wake up. Who knows what that feels like? I do. Our finances change. Our jobs change. Our, Our influence changes. Our appearance changes. Our government will change. But let me tell you today, God does not change. He is the firm foundation. And when you fix your heart and your mind on Him, you will be stable in the storm. Come on, can we thank God for that today? When we fix our hearts and minds on God, you can be stable in the storm. You will have peace that passes understanding. And even in life's valleys, you'll be able to experience joy. You say, no, Josh, it's a myth. It's crazy. What what you're saying is gibberish. It doesn't make sense. I'd agree with one thing and disagree with the other. I'd agree that it makes no sense, but I I disagree with the fact that it's not true. It is true because I've experienced it. When we've been through, me and Helen especially, in our lives been through some of the hardest moments of our lives. As we've set our hearts and minds on God, we've experienced amazing joy in the shadow of the valley. It's possible. God will give you a peace that passes understanding. We have to shift our focus. And we also have to change our confession. I was telling you about the busy period I was going through in my life. And here's the funny thing about it. I'm far busier today than I was then. I didn't have kids then. <laughs> you know when people who haven't got kids say they're busy, I'm like, ha ha, yeah, you're so busy. High five. <laughs> but I, I was busy, but I wasn't as busy as I was today. And I, I was going through this period, like I said to you, I lost my passion and my joy and it began to ebb, ebb away. My confession was constantly, I'm too busy. And as I said, I had a, a full schedule, but one night we'd been, I, I can remember it so vividly, it must be seven, six, five years ago, I don't know. And I can remember walking up my stairs, we'd just been at a young adults meeting, we'd come away from it, probably 11, 11.30 at night, and I was walking up my stairs and just feeling a bit sorry for myself. We had a late night and got a super busy week coming up. And it must have been God, because I don't think I had this in my locker. But instead of saying I'm too busy, I began to say it's a privilege to serve Jesus. Something broke. Just something happened in me uh, and that was just God. And I I can remember walking into my study and my my, my shift in focus just changed everything for that second. My shift in confession just changed in that second. It just broke straight open as I walked around in, in my study saying it's a privilege to serve Jesus. It's a privilege to serve Jesus. And something just happened in my life and everything broke open. I was changed in an instant. My confession changed. Look what Proverbs 18.21 says. What you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. Another translation says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. See, when you grumble and complain, you are making a negative confession. It's time today to change the CD that's playing in your head. Stop talking yourself out of it. Stop being negative. Stop telling yourself you can't or you aren't good enough. It's time to change that CD that's playing in your head. It's time to change your confession. 
I don't want to speak words that bring death. I want to speak words that bring life. I want to speak words that build up, that help, that heal, that encourage. You know, when talking about a town Mansfield, we know there's challenges in Mansfield, but I don't want to be bringing Mansfield down the whole time. I want to say that Mansfield's got a chance. I want to say that Mansfield can change. I want to say that Mansfield's got a future. I want to speak words of life. See, this is what it is to shine in our world. Do you know how many people complain and grumble about the situation? It's everywhere you go. About politics, about the weather, about the life, about what was on TV. When you stop speaking words that pull down and instead speak words that build up, people will notice. When was the last time you encouraged someone in your workplace? When was the last time you told that friend that you liked their outfit? When was the last time that you shared in someone's joy when they they got a promotion? When was the last time you called bigger out of somebody? In your world, I'm not just talking about, it's easy to do it in church. It's quite easy in church to do that because we expect that. When was the last time you went to someone in your workplace and said, you know what, there's more in you. I can remember doing it with this guy. This guy in, um, in my old workplace and he looked a great guy. But he just thought so lowly of himself. And I just said to him, you know what? There's so much more in you. So much bigger in you. God's got a plan for you. And this guy, he he was in and out of church for a while and different bits. But just a few weeks ago, I met up with him again. He said, I want to thank you for the time you spent with me. No one said those things to me before. You know, there's potential in everybody. Will you be the person to see it? And if you're sat here today saying, Josh, I don't feel like I've got a future. I'm here to tell you this, that you've got a future in God. That your history is not all all that was written. There's going to be far more written in your future than there was in your past. I want to speak words that bring life. I want to speak words that make people smile. I want to speak words that change the atmosphere. Come on, there are enough people grumbling and complaining. Church were called to be different, to show a different way, to be who Jesus called us to be. We're called to shine. If we want to make a difference in this time, if we want to make a difference in this town where we are, if you want to make a difference in your workplace or in your family, we need to leave grumbling and complaining behind and step into encouragement and honour. Can you encourage and honour in your workplace? Can you do that in your family and in your school? I tell you, when you take encouragement and honour with you wherever you go, people will be shocked. People will be ringing you to come round the house 24-7 because they're not getting that anywhere else. People love to be around that. This is who Jesus was. You might be here today and say, Josh, I've tried to be more positive and I've failed. I can't do it. I'd agree that you can't do it on your own, but with God you can. What did Paul say? Set your hearts and minds on things above. What does that mean? It means to spend time with Jesus, to take time to thank him, to take time to just be with him, to take time to ask him to help, to reveal your heart. You can't do it on your own. But with the power of God working in you, 
I want to tell you today, you can. You can make a difference. You can be positive. You can encourage and you can honor. But it's your choice. What did Paul say? Set your heart and mind. It's not just going to happen. It's going to be a choice from you. I just want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want to pray for people, if that's okay.